Well, good morning. I know I'm thankful to be here this morning because I felt like I dodged a couple of heart attacks watching that game last night, yesterday. And no, no, no matter how many times I told myself it's just a game, it doesn't matter, it didn't help. So anyhow, uh, but today is the first Sunday in Advent, and uh, today we're talking about hope. So we'll have our Advent wreath over here and our candle lit, and today we are talking about hope, and it's the widely accepted consensus of the medical community that if a patient has hope, they have a better chance of survival or getting healed. Whether they're dealing with a medical hurdle or a psychological hurdle, if they have hope in something or hope in someone, they have a better chance of getting better. One psychologist says as long as a patient individual or victim has hope, they can recover from anything and everything. However, if if they lose hope, unless you can help them get it back, all is lost. One thing I can tell you is that hope is an emotion that springs from the heart, not the brain. Hope lays dormant until its amazing strength is beckoned supplying a sheer belief that you will overcome, you will persevere, and you will endure anything and everything that comes your way. See, hope is not a wish. It is a belief. We often use the word hope as if it is a wish. Well, I really hope my team wins. And you're, if you say that, you're just, you're just, you're not really believing. You're just, you know, you're just grasping at straw sometimes. I, I really hope this will happen. I really hope the elections turn out the way I want it to. And, and many times it's just like a wish. But the English word and the biblical word actually both convey a, a certitude of the situation. Hope is what gets us out of bed in the morning. Without hope, we may not have any desire to get up, to get going, to work, to eat. Or do anything, many with depression have no hope. We are created to have hope. But not just hope in our circumstances. And we're not created to necessarily have hope in people, although we can. We are created to to have hope in someone or something that is great. And that hope is in hope in God himself. The first Sunday of this Advent Christmas season, we're going to be looking at the hope that Jesus Christ offers every person. We are in Matthew 24 today, and and just in time for Christmas season, a warm front has moved into the area, as we always expect. But anyway, verse 36, Jesus says, but concerning that day, And our no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came. And swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then 
Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken in two. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we do live in a country that has a, a holiday of Thanksgiving. We can take time to thank you for the blessings you've given us, the good things you've given us in our lives, even our lives, Lord. Today, Lord, as we look at this, this, this idea of hope, as we look at this, this, uh, this concept of hope that you've given us, that, Lord, that you would show us today, Father, uh, how we can have hope in you, why we should have hope in you. And as we look at this passage about you returning one day, we would know what it means to be ready, and you would show us. Lord, I pray that my words are yours today, or that you fill me with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. The reason uh, the people in the Bible times had hope was because the, the prophesied Messiah was coming, the Old Testament saints. They knew he was coming. And on Christmas morning, he came. And then he lived. And then he died. And then he was resurrected. We now live in the church age by which God's plan for his people is now to tell others about him, to tell others about Jesus. That's why we are here. That is why the church exists. But one day, Jesus will come back. And it will be too late for those who have not believed in him. But for the believer, the return of Christ gives us great hope. Just like the coming of Christ gave great hope to the world, the return of Christ gives great hope to the church. And that's what we're looking at today. It gives us hope that one day our Savior will return and finally restore his creation and his people to glory. So today I want to give you three hopes, three hopes that we have about the return of Jesus. Number one, the return of Jesus will be surprising. The return of Jesus will be surprising. Now, it shouldn't be, but the Bible tells us that it still will be. Look at verse 36. That day, that hour, no one knows when Jesus is coming back. Not even the angels of heaven nor even Jesus himself, not the Son. Even he doesn't know when he's coming back. Even he doesn't have complete control of his schedule, but he knows he's coming. Only the Father knows. So as Jesus is nearing his death, he tells his disciples information about his return. They're probably wondering, well, when will you return? What day will you return? What time will you return? No one knows. You know, whenever we're driving to um, my parents or my in-laws for Thanksgiving or Christmas, when we have 
four children to get in the car and pack and everything. And, and whenever we're going, one of our family members will say, what time will you be here? I'm like, we have no idea when we'll get there. It takes us three hours to get out of the house. Right? No one knows. Even I don't know, and I'm driving the car. We'll get there when we get there, right? No one knows. And this is what they're saying. When are you coming back, Jesus? He says, I don't even know. The angels don't know. Only the Father knows. Maybe I'll start saying that next year. Only the Father knows when I'll arrive after Thanksgiving, right? So if you ever hear some prophecy expert say that they know the day and the time when Jesus will return, they're either lying or they've been deceived. Because the Bible says no one knows but God the Father. And then Jesus relates this coming to the time of the flood, which is interesting. Look what he says in verse 37. He says, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. The return of Jesus, he says, will be similar to the time when Noah was building the ark. Now, if you're not familiar with it, way back in Genesis 11, the world had become increasingly corrupt. It becomes so corrupt that the Bible says in a way that God was sorry he made the world. Every person on the face of the earth had turned from God. Every person on the earth had turned away from God except Noah and his three sons and three daughters-in-law and his family and his wife. So God said, Noah, build an ark. Now keep in mind that nothing like that ever been built. He wouldn't even know what an ark is. A massive boat. And he said, it's going to rain. And Noah doesn't know what rain is because it never rained before. He says, it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm going to destroy every living thing on the earth except your family and two of every kind of animal. So Jesus says, when he comes back, it will be like that time. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean I got to start rounding up, uh, you and I got to start rounding up uh, animals? What does that mean, right? No, he explains. Look at verse 38. In those days before the flood, they, people, were eating. They were drinking. They were marrying, giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Before the flood, the people were just going about their own lives. They were going to the grocery store, so to speak, going out to eat, having fun, having parties, going to wedding feasts. There's Noah over there sawing lumber. Noah, what you doing? Building a boat. Why? Because God's going to destroy the world. Oh, Noah, you're crazy. Enjoy your life. Noah, you only live once, right? They probably thought he was crazy. And even though he was over there building a the boat, the people didn't believe them. They ate, they drank, they had wedding feasts. They moved right on with life, right on with life without knowing that the days were numbered. That's what he says it's going to be like when Jesus comes. People are just going to be living their lives. Oh, we don't believe that myth anymore, myth of Jesus or myth of God. We've progressed or something. That doesn't mean anything. They're just going to be living their life. That's what they're going to say. There's going to be preaching of the word throughout the world, witnessing throughout the world, and they're just going to 
continue to live their life, doing their best they can right now, right? Verse 39 says, and they were unaware until the flood came. Now, you live down here, right? And uh, we know about flooding. It didn't take much rain for flooding. In fact, if you're downtown Charleston, you get swept away in about two hours, couldn't you? You could. Enough rain hit, hit, and you're in a car, you get swept away pretty quickly. So they didn't have to wait for day 35 to get swept away. Probably happened on day one or day two. Starts raining, next thing you know, there's nowhere to go. And he says, they were unaware until the flood came. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Just like the people were just all of a sudden, suddenly swept away by the flood. It'll be the same way when Jesus Christ comes back. Now the Bible says there will be signs of his return. But the people won't be paying attention to the signs. But believers, we need to be. We need to be paying attention to the signs. That's why he's telling them this. Because in this way, the return of Christ will be surprising, even really though it should not be. Secondly, the return of Jesus will be selective. It'll be selective. Jesus is not coming back for everyone. He's coming back for his people. He gives us visual details of what it'll be like. Verse 40. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one left. See, men and women will be going about their day. Men will be going to work. They'll be clocking in. They'll be clocking out. They'll be climbing the light poles, doing work. They'll be arguing cases in court. They'll be building uh, buildings, bagging groceries. And they're going to look, and they're, and they're going to look to the side, and their coworkers going to be gone. Women will be doing what women do, working, whatever, grinding at the mill. They'll look to their friend. <coughs> friend will be gone. Apostle Paul gives us more insight as to what this will be like. He says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and by those who are asleep that you may grieve as others do who have no hope but by those who have died for since we believe that jesus died and rose again even so through jesus god will bring with him those who fall asleep for this we declare to you by a word from the lord that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep so paul first explains about what's happening to those who've died in faith but what about those who are still alive when Christ comes back? This is what Jesus is talking about. He says this in verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. Can you imagine all of a sudden hearing a trumpet sound? Man, if I, wouldn't, if I wasn't a believer, I'd be scared. But for the believer, that trumpet sound is a celebration sound, right? It's, time, it's, a, it's a time to go sound, right? It says the dead in Christ will rise first. Then, verse 17, we who are alive, who are left, will be called up together. That's where they get the word rapture. 
called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Amen. So, encourage one another with these words. This is why both Jesus and Paul told believers about the future coming of Christ. Either we die in this, in this world and then we're raised when Jesus comes back or we're do, going about our day and we hear the trumpet sound and we meet Jesus in the air. Either way, we're resurrected. And even though some of the elements, we know some of the elements that will accompany his return, it's still going to be surprising and it will be selective. The only people who enter with Jesus into the new kingdom and new earth will be those who profess him as Lord and Savior. And even though we know the signs, we never truly know when he's coming back. He could come back in the next five minutes. Wouldn't that be amazing? I sure hope that all of us would raise in the air. Amen. Be amazing. You never know when he'll come back. This is why we have to not be shy about sharing Jesus with those we know. What a crime would be to be at Thanksgiving feast and Jesus comes back and you meet Jesus in the air and there's your spouse down below. Some of you have been like, I knew that. <laughs> or there's your child. There's your cousin. Right? We need to make sure they know about Jesus Christ because when he comes back, he's not coming back for everyone. He's coming back for those that believe in him. So in this way, the return of Jesus will be selective. And then number three, the return of Jesus will be secretive. Be secretive. Therefore, he says, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Again, we don't know when he's coming. So we need to be watchful. He says, stay awake. And then Jesus gives us a metaphor to kind of help us understand why this is the case. He says in verse 43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken in two. This is what he's saying. If you somehow knew, if you somehow knew that a person was going to be breaking into your house, if you somehow had some type of special knowledge, some special surveillance, that you knew that tonight someone would be breaking into your house, if you knew that would happen, would you go to sleep? No. You wouldn't just say, well, you know what? They'll be here at some point to steal my TV and everything, so I'm just going to sleep. No. You'd be sitting on the porch with a shotgun, ready. Or like me, I'd have the police there, ready and waiting. You would be prepared. And that's what he's saying. Therefore, you must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not Expect! Just like you didn't expect I was going to do that. You're not going to know. But we need to be ready. What does being ready look like? 
It means that not only do we watch for Jesus to come back, but it means, this is why he's telling them this, it means that we live like Jesus is coming back. Amen. We live like it. That's what he's getting at. Are you turning from the sins in your life that entangle you? Are you forgiving those who have sinned against you? Are you trusting in Jesus in your everyday decisions? Are you asking God to help you during your days? Are you actively loving others? Are you actively serving others? Are you worshiping and loving God above all else? That's what it means to be prepared for Jesus to come back. Are you living like he's coming back? Cultivate a life to where Christ, when he comes back, you're ready and you're willing. You're not holding on to the trappings of this life. You're not withholding forgiveness from people. You're not stuck in patterns of sin. You're not hating people. You're not living a selfish and a self-serving life. Be prepared. Live like someone who knows Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior when he returns. Live like it. Because it will be secretive. Now, there's another secret that many of you know. It's not really a secret that I am a, a lifelong Gamecock football fan. And I had really no reason to talk about the game in a sermon. You know, it's not my style. But as I was watching the interviews after the game and the players and coaches, and I watch them all. I watch Coach Sweeney's interviews, Coach Beamer's interviews. I love, I think Coach Sweeney's a fantastic coach. I watch him, see what he says. Watched them all. I was watching one of the players being interviewed. And they said, what has Coach Beamer of the Gamecocks, what's Coach Beamer done in two years to take you from two wins to eight wins in two years? What has he done differently? And this senior said, I'll never forget it. He said this. He gave us hope. <laughs> he gave us hope. As I mentioned earlier, hope is a powerful thing. What can it do? You know? He got a few better players, but he also gave the current players hope. Hope gets us through a lot of things and makes us better people. And, and we can have hope in people. We can have hope in our circumstances. And it's powerful, but just as powerful, even more powerful than hope in people. Can you imagine the hope that Jesus gives us? And so we are to have hope in Jesus because Jesus never fails. Who is your hope in today? Who's your hope in today? Put it in Jesus because one day he's coming back. And we don't want to be surprised. And we don't want it to be kept a secret. We want to be ready for when he returns. Father in heaven, we thank you for what you've done for us in Christ Jesus. And as we close our time together, we thank you for that hope you give us in him. People will let us down. Circumstances will let us down. But you, Lord, will never let us down. So, Father, as we move into this Christmas season, let us be thinking about that hope that you give us 
that helps us get up in the morning, helps us move on, that allows us to go about our day and allows us to be not only surviving but thriving. And Lord, if there's one in here today that doesn't know you, I pray, my prayer, Lord, is that they would turn to you today and believe in you. Father, we love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen.